0: This is a Federal News Network podcast.
1: The Naval Surface Warfare Center, Dahlgren Division, works to ensure the reliability, safety, and effectiveness of Navy shipboard weapons. All but a handful of its nearly 5,000 federal employees are civilians, aided by several thousand contractors. For the second installment in this week's series, looking at Dahlgren's activities, Federal News Network's Tom Temen spoke with the division's technical director, Dale Sisson. Let's just give the overview of Dahlgren from your standpoint as the top civilian engineer, if you will. This is not academic engineering at all, is it?
0: It is not. It's definitely hands-on research,
1: development, test, and evaluation. We maintain a workforce
0: of nearly 5,000 government civilians and another 4,000 folks from the contractor community that execute about a $1.9 billion portfolio annually to deliver warfighting capability to our
1: fleet. And the facilities here must be extensive because of all the range of projects from stuff you can't see like software to testing, firing, and so forth. Give us a sense of the range of what's here.
0: Well, the range of what's here is a great way to put it because we are anchored around the Potomac River test range that includes really the length of the Potomac River to the mouth of the Chesapeake Bay identified in certain increments that allow us to do open air testing on that range. So we've fired ordnance down the Potomac River test range now for going on 104 years. And so that's really the anchor for us as an organization and where that hands-on research development, test evaluation mindset started. Over the years, that's expanded greatly uh, to include a very broad portfolio. And today is very software-centric, actually. You mentioned the software piece. Even hands-on work can be done in, in the software world. So we take great pride in having our technical workforce really ply their trade so they have an opportunity to come here and work in their areas of expertise to do really critical mission work for the Department of the Navy. So that includes the Navy and the Marine Corps. So as one of the 10 Warfare Center divisions within NAVC, we also serve as the Marine Corps Warfare Centers in a lot of ways as well. Our facilities, uh, we're larger than 300 plus buildings, so a tremendous footprint in that regard. That's everything from internal areas to test electromagnetic effects to software collaboration and coding spaces, the ability to do environmental tests and evaluation of our ordnance and weapons systems, and integrate a warfare systems laboratory where we have the opportunity to bring combat systems online for the fleet. So we're really all about doing very complex things in the naval warfighting environment, and we talk a lot about being the leader in warfare systems development and integration. So solving those complex problems that allow us to put ordnance downrange and hit an intended target. There's a lot of complex math, science, engineering behind that, and that's really who we are.
1: Yeah, so the original calculations done by ENIAC (laughs) stopped there, and we've had to keep working ever since then, huh?
0: Yeah, absolutely, and so as an organization, we've for many years been involved in advancing not only the computational scientific analytical capability, but the tools that go along with that. So many of the nation's earliest computing advancements were a result of our work here. And it really was by necessity, as ordnance and weapon systems became more complex and understanding the fly-out of those weapons, trajectories of those weapons, and how to get them to more and more challenging targets. So really a lot of complex math and science behind that and engineering to make those systems real. And we've had to advance our disciplines, like systems engineering, for example, as a discipline that I think you can really say that NSWC D'Algeron Division has played a large part in developing that capability for our nation over the last 60 or so years, probably longer than that. So as we grow specific weapon capabilities, grow our workforce, we have to grow the disciplines within which we operate.
1: And you mentioned a lot of how software has become important to calculating how all of these weapons work. Is there also research and development yet to be done or do you do it here on the weapons themselves? So the mechanical and chemical aspects of putting that shell on target?
0: Absolutely. There are a number of elements that go into building a weapon system. We are very much a leader in the sensing side of things. So radar engineering, for example, and the development that goes on there. So understanding how to identify and track a target is a big part of weapon systems development and employment. So we really bring that to bear. Understanding the software side, as you mentioned, really permeates now throughout everything. So one of the things we're seeing is that the disciplines of engineering specifically may not be as clear cut as they have been for so many years. We see the lines really blurring between mechanical engineers, electrical engineers, and computer engineers in particular, and the understanding that's required for software development systems and employment and the hardware that goes along with that. So our folks really are very much multidisciplinary, though they'll be founded in in a specific area. But the complexity of the weapon systems uh, really drives that. We're not the ones who are working, you know, the energetics formulation and things like that. We have our sister warfare centers that work in that area. But we're really focused on that projectile, focused on the sensing element, and then the fire control that it takes to to make those two things meet up to a target.
1: And what about industry and academia? There's a lot of industry located physically near here. What role do they play? How do you interact with them and is there also a grant-making aspect to the research and development here?
0: Well, that's a multifaceted question for sure. We're about a $1.9 billion organization annually, as I believe I mentioned before. Of that, over a billion goes outside of our gates to industry and academia. So the industry partnerships are huge, whether it's the local industry community here at Dalgon, Virginia, or at our location in Damneck, Virginia. Of our 4,930 or so civilians, about 450 of those sit in Damneck, so down in the Virginia Beach area. So we have two primary localities that we are very involved with for sure. So really rely upon those industry partners tremendously and really also are heavily focused on the academic partnering side of things. That helps us uh, on the academic front, really helps us to push the boundaries on technology as well as grow our workforce. And we grow our workforce in a couple of different ways. It's the growth of our existing team members and who we have. Typically we'll have 300 or more members of our workforce enrolled in graduate education at any one time. So we're heavily invest in academic education in that way. Uh, We also want to have the leading professors from our nation's leading universities here partnering with us on their areas of technical expertise. And then finally, we want to attract the best and brightest candidates out of these programs to join our workforce. And we know we have the opportunity to give them exciting work to grow their careers as scientists and engineers.
1: And I wanted to ask you something specific that I know you're working on, and that is the whole idea of autonomy Mm -hmm. and of uncrewed vessels, in this case the surface, but I know it goes below the surface and in the air for that matter and other components of the Navy. But maybe discuss the idea of true autonomy Mm -hmm. versus simply remote crew controls, which look alike maybe in operational, but Mm -hmm. they're really not the same thing. So we use the terminology of intelligent
0: automation, uh, really one of our five technical strategic thrusts here, and the growth and evolution from what we would call remote control to autonomous systems is one that's certainly iterative and will be continuing for some amount of time for sure. With remote control systems, you have the human in the loop, right? And that's typically very important as we operate ethically in a warfighting environment. So as a nation, we'll continue to evaluate how uh, weaponized we want fully autonomous systems to be. But there are a number of ways of looking at autonomous systems. For example, a missile system has the ability to identify and reach targets and make some selection on its own there. We've worked in that kind of environment for many years. You know, some of the things that folks will talk about and maybe the more uh, had been viewed as science fiction kind of realm that have the ability to come to reality are automated soldiers or sailors and and Marines and and airmen and and how we execute that. So how we weaponize some of those uh, autonomous capabilities brings into our calculus the system safety element. And so system safety is a big part of our portfolio. So we have the leading safety experts uh, in these weapon systems to make sure we understand Understand their operation. And the more autonomous a system gets, and the more decisions that system can make, uh, the more it opens up your risk, the requirement on us to understand how to assess that risk, assume risk in, in the right places. You know, as the United States of America, we operate under a set of uh, set of ethics and a code of operation and how we not only look out for the safety of our personnel, but how we look out for the safety of those who may be impacted in a warfighting type environment. So all of those elements come into play. It's not just simply the technology piece. We know a lot about how to do that technology piece, and we were employing that for surface warfighting solutions. But now it's also about rolling in
1: the safety piece, the policy piece, and how we employ uh, such weapons. And as the top senior executive here. Tell us what your day-to-day life is like, because if you wanted Mm. to visit one building a day, (laughs) it would take you a year of working. So how do you know that the right things are happening, and what are some of your metrics that you watch to make sure everything is on track? Yeah, well, that, that's a great question, and, and one we're always trying to figure out.
0: And really, the correct answer is there. we have a tremendous leadership team here that surrounds me. I have 28 other executives that I directly supervise on the technical front as well as organizationally. So we have seven technical departments, three outstanding business-related departments where we do contracts, all of our financial operations, human resources, security, and all of the things that it requires to make our technical business tick. And so having that tremendous team around me is really what it's all about. It's really my role to set the vision and strategy for the organization, and then to work with that team to make it happen. So as the senior executive, I really get the good fortune of serving as the CEO of this operation and partnering with our commanding officer. And that requires a strong focus, not just on the technical front, but on the business front. I mean, we're the stewards of $1.9 billion of uh, taxpayer resources annually, not to mention all of the infrastructure that's part of this organization. So we take that very seriously. spend a lot of time in, in the metrics, not only just on the technical front, but also on the business side. On the technical front, it really requires a strong personal engagement with the technical workforce. So I invest a lot of my time in doing that whether that's out in full day reviews with the technical departments and and understanding the progress in specific technical areas. I am the steward of 37 what we call technical capabilities for the warfare centers. Uh, And so it's my job to make sure that we, within each of those technical capabilities, that we really do have the technical expertise that we are charged with maintaining and growing. And growing may or may not be in numbers, but it's growing those disciplines that we're responsible for. So there are a number of metrics and dashboards that we pay attention to, but it's really about the one-on-one interaction with members of the team to see the progress that we're making. You got to lay eyes on the systems and the technology that you're part of and have boots on the ground. And that's the the method that I employ. And when there are firing tests, do you go down and watch? Sure. And we can do that in a number of ways, whether it's in remote sites where we have full metrics and uh, and, and visibility and, and communication what's happening or actually standing out on the range. You know, and our tests range from firing systems downriver to modeling and simulation events that are equally
1: as exciting. Dale Sisson is technical director for the Naval Surface Warfare Center Dahlgren Division, talking there with Tom Temin while on a Federal Drive field trip. We'll post all of the interviews at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. And tomorrow, we'll hear from Danielle Ross, who's in charge of the Integrated Engagement Systems Unit. This episode is brought to you by
0: Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips.